you guys are so faithful. I want to thank you that. Before we continue service, uh, one of the things I love around here is how much you guys serve, and not just as adults, but also our students. And uh, today, we've got back in the sound booth with Marty, Peyton, and Peyton is running the lights. Go ahead and stand up, Peyton. Everybody give Peyton a big hand. He's doing an awesome job. Right on. And uh, just so proud that he's back there serving, and we love pouring into the next generation. That's why this year at the Backpack event, what we're doing is we're having mentors. And what's going on is these guys, stand up teenagers, not all of them, but this is our teenagers. Go ahead and stand up. These guys are going to have some of the young kids in our kids program that are going to serve with them, and these guys are going to act as mentors to those kids that day. Why? Because we're teaching them how to serve. And so these guys are teaching the next generation. Good job. High five each other because you're awesome. Zach, high five yourself, bro. It's all right. Go ahead. But, but it's because it's, it's what we're about. It's like God has set us free, and we're compelled to do something about it. So we want to give our students the opportunity to serve and then give you guys the opportunity to serve. And can I tell you a secret about church stuff? I'm going to give you a pastor's secret. Anybody want a pastor's secret? Yeah, sure. It'll change your life forever. Okay, here's the deal. If you guys are serving God, you're not arguing with each other. Yeah, exactly. Here's the deal. The reason we get in trouble a lot of times is because we're sitting around, and instead of serving, we're sitting around arguing because we're bored. And what God wants us to do is get busy. And the fact is, if we're all busy serving God, we don't have time to get in trouble and argue with each other. Amen? Some of you need to do that with your spouse. So you need to get busy. Come on, go ahead and tell them right now. Yeah, that was helpful, wasn't it? You can thank me later. <laughs> All right, if you've got your Bibles, hold them up. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you believe that? Amen. Well, we're in our fourth week of Running with the Giants. And guys, this week, uh, we have an amazing character of the Bible that's going to come down out of the stands. And here's the, here's the thought process. Each one of us is running the race that we call life. And every one of us has our own race to run. And the scripture's real clear about that. You're running your race. And, and so imagine for a moment while you're running your race of life and there, there's a huge crowd of people watching you run, out of the stadium, some of these amazing Bible characters from history would come down and take a lap with you. They're going to take one lap. And on that lap, they're going to talk to you about their life, but they're also going to share with you something that's going to help you in your life because their race is done, but your race is still going. And this week, we have an amazing character. Over the last few weeks, we've talked about Samson and Ezekiel and Elijah and whoever I mixed up with last week. Um, but, but we're talking today about Moses, and there is so much that I could share with you guys about Moses, so we're just going to narrow it down to a couple of things, but I want you to imagine Moses is going to come down, and he's going to go a lap with you. Hebrews 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The race marked out for you. 
I had a visual image this week. I was, you know, uh, we were working on some stuff and moving things around. And I walked up to a door. And how many of you have ever carried too much luggage? Maybe you're on vacation or something, and you're getting ready to walk through a door, but you're having to figure out how to get in. You've got too much stuff. How many of you carry too much stuff? Guys, how many of you go shopping with your significant other? Do they, they give you too much stuff to carry? Come on, it's, this is therapy time. I'm trying to help you now. But imagine you come up to a door and you're trying to figure out how to get in and it's difficult and you've got, imagine, take that mindset, that concept, and imagine running a race carrying a bunch of luggage. That's crazy. I mean, you don't watch the Olympics and see these world-class runners going, hold on, I need to bring all my carry-ons with me. Matter of fact, they're stripped down as little as they can wear, as light as they can be. Why? They don't want anything to entangle them. They don't want anything to encumber them. They don't want anything to slow them down. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is telling us here is that we need to throw off anything that slows us down, that keeps us from running the race that God has for us. And so when Moses comes down, remember, he's going to be talking to you, and he said he's about to give you some thoughts that are going to help you run your race better. So here's where we're going to start with Moses. We know the story, but I'm just going to give you a brief summation of it. Moses was born in... He was a Hebrew child born during the time in history when the Hebrew people were in captivity in Egypt. Now, Joseph had been there and helped deliver. God had delivered Egypt through Joseph. But years after, another king came into power who did not like the Hebrews. As a matter of fact, one of the things he said is they're populating too quickly. There's more of them than us. And the Bible says he actually became fearful. And so they started to oppress the Hebrews. They forced them into slavery. You've seen the pyramids and all the different things. And they had these people working on all this stuff. It was a terrible time. But they oppressed them. They oppressed them. And then, because their population was growing so quickly, Pharaoh, the king, came to the midwives, the nurses that were delivering all these Hebrew kids and said, listen, I don't mind if you keep the girls, but every boy child that's born, you need to kill him. Literally what they said. And so the the Hebrew wives, the midwives got together and said, all right, we can't do this. And the Bible, and I want you to read it if you have time. It was really cool. I never noticed this until this week. But the Hebrew wives feared God more than they feared the king. And this is what they did. They got together and said, we're not going to do it. They refused to kill those babies. And so they went to the king and they said, here's the deal. These ladies are having babies so fast By the time we get the 911 call and we get there, they've already had the baby. They're just good at it. That's literally kind of what they said, less the 911 thing. And they said, they're just too good at having babies. And by the time we show up, they've already had the babies, and the king bought it. And you know what's interesting about that? Because they wouldn't kill those babies. The scripture says that God allowed them, the midwives, to marry and have children. He blessed them with children. There's something about killing babies that's not okay. That's not my sermon today, but there's something for us to think about. Amen? So anyway, that's what was going on. So Moses was born, and his mom and family kept him hidden for three months while he was a little child. But they knew that that if they found him, they were going to kill him. And so one day, uh, his mom took him down and built him this little raft by the river in the Nile and, and saw where Pharaoh, princess of Pharaoh, was down here. And so put Moses out in the water, and he floated down, and she saw the baby say, oh. How many of you love babies? 
Come on. Come on, Ronnie. You love babies. And, oh, I love the baby. And so she took the baby out of the water, and that's exactly what she sounded like. And she took the baby out of the water, and, and one of the servants there was a Hebrew and said, hey, I know a mother that could raise the child, and went off and got Moses' real mom and brought her in, and she actually raised Moses as a prince of Egypt. And so here's another interesting thing that I'd forgotten about. Moses was actually named by the uh, Pharaoh's, the princess of Pharaoh. She, her, she said, I will name him Moses because I drew him out of water. So here's the thing about Moses. He's a Hebrew taken away from his people, except his mom's still there. But he's being raised as a prince of Egypt. So, so he's conflicted. He's got these two cultures that are fighting on the inside of him. On this one side, he's royalty and has all these rights and all these privileges. But then on the other side, he's this Hebrew. And and so you can imagine the struggle. Maybe some of you have a struggle. Maybe some of you have a little bit of an identity crisis. And I just think that Moses struggled with that a little bit. And then one day, Moses is up and he's watching his people being driven by slavers and just beaten. And it was, it was terrible if you ever read the story. And he looks over and sees one of the Hebrews being be- beaten by a slaver. And so he looks around, the scripture says, to make sure nobody's looking. And he goes over and what does he do? Kills the guy, the Egyptian, and buries him in the sand. Thinking he got away with it. And then the next day. He's out, and he looks and sees two Hebrews fighting with each other and says, hey, why are you guys fighting? You guys are brothers. Why are you fighting each other? And one of them stopped and said, oh, yeah? Are you going to kill me like you did the Egyptian? And he realized at that moment is that people knew. And so Moses realized he had to run for his life. And so he, he took off and ran to a land called Midian. He just took off running as fast as he could because the Bible says that Pharaoh, the king, found out what happened and sought to kill Moses. So Moses goes from being a rock star to being Egypt's most wanted in a day. His entire life changes in a moment. And not just for a little while, for 40 years he's gone. We're talking about a massive transition in his life. As I was sitting this week, I had lunch with Miles this week, and we were talking, and and, uh, I've never known Miles to be a philosopher, but as we sat and talked over lunch, we were talking about life and different decisions that you make, and this is what Miles said. This is what he said. This is so great. He, He said, Dad, you know what? Sometimes the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. I put my fork down, looked across the table, and said, you're a genius like me. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I'm thinking like your mother. But, but, the, thought was, but the thought was this. I'm like, he was right. And then I thought about Moses and how that's exactly what Moses was dealing with. Moses did the right thing. But he tried to do the right thing at the wrong time. And because he killed that Egyptian, he saw his people being oppressed, and he knew that was wrong, but he took matters into his own hands. How many of you have ever decided you're going to help God out and take matters into your own hands? Come on. How'd that work out for you? 
I've had people say things like, you know what, Pastor Chris, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. And my first thought is, sugar, you need every piece you got. Don't give me any of it. Because here's the deal, we, we jump in and decide we're going to give pe- people a piece of our mind or we're going to help God out, and usually we create a mess, and that's exactly what Moses did. So he took off. So here's the big thought. When Moses comes down, introduces himself to you, this is what I think he would say first, and this is the overarching theme of today's message. For when your problems overwhelm you, abandon safe and live by faith. When your problems overwhelm you, you need to abandon or walk away from safe and live by faith. And here's the deal. That live by faith is a very fancy theological term for trust God, and you can write that on your notes. Living by faith simply means trusting God. I think from time to time, guys, we need a faith crisis in our lives. And and here's why. Even though that might surprise you that I would say that, I think it is so easy in life to get stuck in a rut. And at times we need God to shake us and wake us up. And I'm really hoping today is one of those days for you. I think each of us can get so complacent. We get up, we go to work, we do go to school, whatever it is you do, and you're just kind of walking through life, and, and days go by, and weeks go by, and sometimes months go by, and nothing seems to change. And you look up, and it's just kind of like that movie Groundhog Day, where it's the same over and over again. But I feel like there are specific times in life that God steps in, and a lot of times it revolves around a crisis. Something happens that rocks your world. And now you've got to make a decision. And that's what happened to Moses. And I, I believe and I'm praying and I'm hoping that today, maybe this will be that kind of day for you. I'm hoping today that God shakes you and that your eyes are open and he speaks to you. And that today could be the first day of your forever doing the things he wants you to do. So here's what I want you to do as we dive into this. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, buckle up, buttercup. It's about to get real. Go ahead. Buckle up, buttercup. It's about to get real, okay? So here we go. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and then 7 and 10. Now, here's the deal. Moses is gone. He's married uh, to a guy's daughter. Uh, The guy's name is Jethro. He was a priest. And here's the thing. He's gone from being a prince of Egypt to watching sheep. Okay. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro. And notice this. What does it say? Moses was tending whose flock? It's not even his own. He's lost everything. Lost everything. Tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert. Now, listen. Another version says the back side of the desert. How many of you have ever been to the desert? Imagine going outside and it being hotter. That's the desert, okay? Deserts are not fun. De- I've never ever in my life ever heard any one person say, you know what, it's vacation time, let's go to the desert. Right? No, we say, no, let's go to the beach or let's go to the park or let's go to the mountains. But nobody ever says, let's go to the desert. And I think that's bad enough. I don't want to go to the front side of the desert. But Moses goes to the what? The backside of the desert. 
Sometimes, now y'all listen, sometimes you got to go to the backside of the desert to hear from God. Sometimes you have to be in a place where there are no distractions in your life to hear from God. And Moses thought he was just gardening and watching sheep, but God had a plan. And it says he goes to the backside of the desert, but notice what else happened there. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. He had an encounter with God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I love this, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? Now listen, do you think that's what he really said? He's like, what? The bush is on fire and he just sat there watching. He'd probably seen bushes on fire before, right? But what happened is it just kept burning and kept burning and kept burning. He's like, I'm going to go see what this is, right? So when the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God, God called to him from within the bush. You know, I could do sermon after sermon on all this topic, but I'm just going to keep going. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Guys, when you're in the backside of the desert and you're crying out to God, the best thing that you can say is here I am. Here I am. When you're the, when you're the lost sheep, it's best to say, here I am. Here I am, God. Come find me. Take off your sandals. Oh, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, what is the problem? God is saying to him, listen, I've called you 40 years ago, prince of Egypt, Hebrew. I'm sending you back to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. What's the problem with that? He's still on Egypt's most wanted list. What are they going to do if they catch him? Kill him. So it wasn't like God said, hey, Moses is Moses like, oh, I'm cool and free, not do anything, never been to Egypt. That sounds great. He's like, no, of all the places God could have sent him, that's the one place he doesn't want to go. Right? That's the one place he doesn't want to go. Look at your notes. Here's what's safe. See, here's the deal. For Moses, he feels safe. I'm, I'm 40 years and a lot of miles away. I'm removed and I've gone as far as I'm on the backside of the desert, Joey. I'm as far away as I can get. I'm safe. But here's what safe will get you, guys. Safe will keep you, number one on your notes there, trapped in the past. Safe will keep you trapped in the past. Because here's the thing. God sees your future. And the reality is for you and I, we've talked about perspective in the last few weeks. Right now, your perspective is very limited. As a matter of fact, you don't even know what's going on in the lobby right now. All you see is right here. This is the limit of your vision. That's all you see. 
And yet God is outside of all this, and he sees everything that's going on, and he has got an amazing plan for your life. The Scripture says he's got things for you to do. He's got things for, that he wants to see you accomplish, but you don't see them, and a lot of the reason you can't see them is because you're trapped in your past. I was talking to some guys this week, and I thought this was an amazing illustration. Have you ever thought about why your front windshield is bigger than your rearview mirror? You ever thought about that? Well, the reason is, is because you need to see where you're going, not necessarily where you've been. And it's good to have that small rearview mirror every once in a while to look up for reference. But if you try to drive purely focused on the rearview mirror, what's going to happen? You're going to wreck. Very good. And when you're trapped in your past, that's what your life is like. You're living life driving, looking at the rearview mirror. All you see is your past. And you can't see this amazing future in front of you because you're caught in yesterday. And Moses was caught in yesterday. I can't go back. God, I killed a guy. I've spent my life trying to run away from this. And guys, let me just tell you something. Trisha said it in class a little while ago. God loves you so much that he loves you too much to stay the same. He wants you to deal with your stuff. He wants to set you free from your stuff. And he doesn't want you being trapped in your past. Look at what Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 says out of the message. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands. And here's the bottom line with all of this. Here's the bottom line. Guys, you need to trust God with what you cannot see. You need to trust God that when he said he's got a good future for you, he means it. And you need to stop looking back at yesterday. You've got to stop looking back. Here's another thing that I think Moses would say to us. Safe will keep you satisfied with today. Safe will keep you satisfied with today. Why is that important? Because it's so easy to be content. It's so easy to be content until it hurts enough. Till it hurts enough. How many of you have a high pain tolerance? Your arm could fall off and you go, I'm good. I'm good. It's all good. You know, I'm fine. Just put a little duct tape on it. I'm good. You know, I am not that. I'm one of those, achoo, where's the doctor at, Jack? I'm, you know, I, if I hurt at all, you know, I want to go, I want to get this fixed. I'm kind of a little bit of a baby. I'm just going to be real right now, right? But, but we do that in life too. Sometimes we become so satisfied, listen to me, with mediocrity that we're not willing to move on. And I want to tell you what you have to do. Listen, guys, this is important. This is going to help somebody right now. You will live in mediocrity and you will play it safe until your why is big enough. Until your why is big enough. You need a reason in your life to move forward. There's got to be a reason that, that wants to make you change. Look to your left and right just real quick. For some of you, your why is sitting next to you. 
The reason you need to stop playing it so safe is that there are people around you counting on you. And see, here's Moses sitting out here in the desert, and he goes, you know what? I'm just going to be satisfied with these sheep. But the deal is, that weren't even his own, by the way, but the deal is there was a whole nation of people that needed to be set free. But he was content to be on the backside of the desert. But God went and found him and said, listen, I've heard their cry, and I need you to go help me set them free. And that was a big enough why for him. What is your why? Some of you need to get a bigger why. Amen? Ooh, I'm preaching better than y'all, amen, and I'm gonna high-five myself. Ooh, that was good, Pastor. Awesome, okay, feel better now. Okay, here we go. Here's the other thing that safe will keep you. Are you ready? Safe will keep you afraid of tomorrow. Safe will keep you afraid of tomorrow. Exodus 4 verse verse 13 says, But Moses said, listen, oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. How many of y'all have ever said that? Okay, y'all ready? Look down at your toes. Tell them to relax because I'm about to jump on them. Okay, are you ready? How many of you have watched something on TV or you've been driving around somewhere, you see a crisis, you see somebody that needs some help, and your thought is somebody should help them? Come on. Somebody should do something. Maybe you're somebody. Maybe the reason that God is allowing you to see those things is because he's wanting you to do something about it. Maybe you're the somebody. But what happens is we are scared of tomorrow. We're scared. Well, what if people laugh at me? What if I'm not quite? What if, I mean, think about what Moses, think about what Moses had on his mind. Number one on his list was if I go back, they're going to kill me. That's a big one. But some of us are worried about just what people are going to think about us. What if they laugh at me? Well, can I give you another thought? Judd, what if you saying something changes their life? What if you being obedient? What if you just saying, man, do you mind if I just pray for you for a second? Do you mind if I just, maybe that changes their everything. Don't be afraid of tomorrow. Stop playing it safe. All right, so we're in the last quarter of the deal now. And, and Moses has some final words of encouragement for you. And here's what he says, number one on your notes. To live by faith, you need to recognize that God is already at work in you. I'm going to say that again. To live by faith, recognize that God is already at work in you. In other words, God did not wake up this morning and come up with a new idea for your life. He already had plans. How many of you have a friend that they're just the spur of the moment? I got this idea. They're the one that's just going, hey, let's go. Jump off the cliff. It'll be awesome. What's at the bottom? No idea. Let's go. I remember a kid that was in first or second grade, first grade, went over to a friend's house. His friend name, name was Billy, and they were having a sleepover. And he got with Billy and said, Billy, Billy, there's, I got a great idea, Billy. You've got a playhouse in the backyard. Let's go set it on fire. And Billy said, sure. 
And so they went and they set this playhouse in the backyard on fire. I was the one that helped Billy set the playhouse on fire. It was my idea. I was a firebug. I'm just going to admit it. I was the one that went to my brother when we were out hauling hay and said, Hey, Marcus, give me your glasses. I'm going to learn this thing I learned in third grade chemistry. If you put the sun through your glasses, some of you are going, What? You'll set the bells of hay on fire. I have been whooped the hardest in my life from setting things on fire. (laughs) Here's what I'm saying. I didn't think it through. I just did it, you know. And, And I think we think God must feel that way because that's all that we know. We think, well, God's maybe, maybe God's just coming up with these ideas. That's what Moses is thinking. God, surely there's somebody else better than me. Surely there's somebody more qualified than me. Send somebody else. But God says, no, I have a plan for you, and it's a good plan. Listen to Ephesians 2, verse 10. This is not in your notes. This is what Paul says. For we are all God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What that means, and I'm just going to simplify it for you, is that God has a Rhonda plan, and God's Rhonda plan has awesome things that God has for Rhonda to do. But the only way that Rhonda gets to experience those plans, if she says yes to God over here, not even knowing what that is. Guys, listen, if you haven't figured this out yet, it's all about trusting God. I can promise you, 11 years ago, when God spoke to Trisha and I and the kids and said, we're going to move to Arkansas. We're like, where is that? And it's north of Texas. And I said, okay. And God said, I'm going to move you to Hardy. And Marty said, you don't know where that is. And I said, you're right. And, and we come up here to a place we'd never heard of, didn't know a soul. A soul. Because God said so. And the reason I use that illustration is there's some things I can talk to y'all about that I don't understand, but I understand this one. Because can I tell you something today? Some of the greatest experiences of my life have happened with you guys. Some of the greatest moves of God that I've ever seen happen, the lives that have been changed, how we have changed, what we've seen God do happen because we said yes in South Texas to go to a place we'd never heard of. And God's calling some of you to say yes. God is calling some of you to say yes. Because he's got works prepared in advance for you to do, but you've got to trust him. Hebrews eleven twenty three 23 says this about Moses. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child. He was special. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're special. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I don't know about you. Go ahead. But Moses' parents saw that there was something different about him, and that's how God feels about you. Marshall, you're special, and not in a goofy way. You are. But can I tell you something, guys? As serious as I know how to be, God looks at you that way. He looks at Bree and goes, man, Bree's awesome. 
I love Bree. I've got amazing things for Bree to do if she'll just say yes. That's what he's saying to you today. If you just say yes. Here's the second thing. Come on up, bub. Now listen, I'm going to do things a little bit different now. Um, This week when I was working on this message, I got the idea from some other folks, but the Lord, at this point, the Lord really stopped me on this point. This is the big point today. Because this is where I think most of us get trapped in being willing to to come along with God. This is where most of us get stuck. This is what I think Moses would say to you. But I don't mean walking now. I think Moses literally would stop because there's the finish line. And he would say, you know what? I need to tell you something. And he would stop and he would grab you by the shoulders and he would turn you around and he would look at you in the eyes and he would say this. To live by faith, you need to refuse to be defined by anything or anyone but God. To live by faith, to trust God, you need to refuse to be defined by anything or anyone but God. In other words, that song that we sang that we're going to sing again here in a minute, I am who God says I am, is what's important. And let me tell you why. Because some of you have been labeled and you believe the label. Somebody hung a label on you and that's how you live. Maybe, maybe you labeled yourself. But you see everything in your life through that label. And I'm here to tell you something. You are who God says you are, not who somebody else says you are. Now listen, I'm going to go through a list of things that I feel like the Lord wanted me to say to you. And as I say them today, I want you to allow them to flow over your life. Because this is God talking to you now. This isn't Pastor Chris. So listen to the voice of God. You are not your adultery. You are not an orphan. You are not an addict. You are not a liar. You are not a thief. You are not stupid. You are not a failure. Listen, church, listen. In God's kingdom, failure is never final. In God's kingdom, failure is never final. In other words, God gets the last say about who you are. He is the only person that has the authority to label you. What does that mean? Let me tell you what God thinks about you. You are a child of the Most High God, and He has adopted you into His family. You know what that means? He chose you. That's one of the cool things about adoption is somebody picks you. I would not have picked me 
I would not have picked me. If I was the one sheep, I might say, we can live without that one. But Jesus is not just called the good shepherd. He's called, Brandon, he's called the great shepherd. And he says, now, Chris has got some stuff going on. But you know what? I love him. And I'm going to give my life for him. I'm going to take his place. And I'm going to go find him. And I'm going to bring him home. And then when I get him home, we're going to have a party. That's what the scripture says about every one of us, Sham. Every one of us. That's not me talking to you guys. That's God talking to you. You are not labeled by what society says you are. You are only labeled by who God says you are. (laughs) You are redeemed. That word redeemed means purchased back. You were sold to slavery, and God paid for you to come out of slavery through Jesus' blood. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you receive Christ as your Savior, God sees you through Jesus. You become his righteousness, not your own. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are not your past. You are not your past. You are who God says you are. Say, Pastor, why do you say that? The Apostle Paul, murderer, met Jesus, changed his life. And here's what Paul said about himself. I'm the worst sinner there is. And yet, God gave me grace. He gave me mercy. And the reason he did that is so that he could show anybody that they can get saved. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. The worst of the worst. He said, no, he saved me. He can save you. Amen? Amen. Some of you today need to receive that. And I want to say one more thing, and then we're going to sing this song. Number three in your notes. To live by faith impacts others around you. It's the last thing Moses would say to you. Sham, when you make the decisions that you make, it impacts your whole family. Guys, when you choose to say, you know what, God, when we say we're going to do it his way, you know what changes? Everybody around us gets impacted by our decisions. I'm going to say it to you this way. There are people that are waiting to be set free on the other side of your obedience. There are people in captivity, and you hold the key, but until you say yes to God, they're not going to get free. We're going to sing this song that I am who you say I am. And here's what I want you to do. I want you, you can sit in your seat and you just can let these lyrics flow over you. But here's the most important, you can stand, you can come down to the front, I'm gonna pray for you, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is you wanna do. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to recognize that you are only defined up by who God says you are. And some of you, you have been wearing a label that does not belong to you anymore. And you need to receive the forgiveness of God and allow him to change that label in your life. You are who God says you are. I am 
who you say that I am. Amen. So let's enter into worship. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Yes, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, his free I'm a child of God. Yes, I There's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Free at last, He has ransomed me. Oh, His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. The sun sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I am chosen. I am chosen, not forsaken. Oh, I am who you say I am.
the thing that I want you to remember guys here's the takeaway today you are who God says you are you are not your past you are not your mistakes you're not those decisions you are who he says you are don't live life any longer looking in the rearview mirror live life looking ahead at what God has for you trust him leave the past behind move forward because of what he's done amen that is the life Jesus paid for he paid so that you could be free. He gave his life so that you could be free. Amen. I want to pray. Everybody stand this morning. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to stay just a couple minutes. Trish and I will be up here. Pam will be up here. If anybody needs to come pray, we want to do that. Now listen, there's about 20 more armbands up here. I've got two. I also have hairy arms. So this is going to be painful when I take these off. So y'all need to help me out. I don't want any of these left up here. When we leave today, all these armbands need to be gone because we need to be praying for our kids this week. Amen? Amen. I've got on my armband, let's see, I have Jacelyn Buchanan and Ellie Davis. So every day, I'm going to be praying for those guys. You guys need to come and grab these, okay? Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you, Father, for every person in this room. Lord, I thank you that you loved us, that this is not about religion. This is about you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to take our place. And Father, we receive the freedom that we get in our salvation. Father, I pray today that you have set, as you have set folks free, that we would stay free. That we would grow in you and become the people that you've called us to be. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Yes, ma'am, hold on just a second. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, Ray just came up to me. It's not on when I speak. Oh, go ahead. I'll yell. Hello. Here, go back to Wes's mic. Just real quickly, Ray came up to me and she said she just saw, you know how like the Lord will just give you things that, you know, in your heart or in your mind, like as a vision. And she saw like a sticky note like on, on certain, on, just on people that said failure. And there are, are some people that may, maybe someone has said that to you, or maybe you've just said that to yourself, or maybe it's been, you know, I can never do anything right. Why did God make me like this? Why did this always happen to me? Why does bad stuff always happen? Every time I get a leg up, but it's just kind of failure, failure, failure. And every time you try to step out of it and step away from it, it just comes back. And you think you've kicked it, but then it just keeps coming back. So I just want to just pray that specifically because when Ray said that, I just really felt like that was just a, a word from God. So let's just bow your heads. And if, it's not, if that's not for you, be praying 
that whoever it's for, that they would be set free from that. Because like Wes was saying, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You are free. You don't carry it around. You don't act like it. It's not like, it's like the children, uh, like the Hebrew children that were in the fiery furnace. And the only thing that fire did, it didn't burn them. It burned away their their ropes that had them bound, but that said that they came out not even smelling like smoke. So whatever your past is, whatever your present is, your future can be different. And God wants to tell you that. So let's pray. God, I just speak out and I declare right now in Jesus name that people who have heard failure, that has not come from you. You have never called them a failure. Not once. You've never thought it. You've never said it. That can only come from the enemy. So we just speak out over these people freedom. Jesus, you died for our freedom. It is for freedom's sake that you have set us free. And you said, you know, we're not going to carry, we're not going to look like we used to look. We're not going to move into the future like we were in the past. But we are free. So for those people who have heard failure, we just rip off that label off of them right now in Jesus' name and say, freedom, you are not a failure. God has made you a success because of what he has already done. In Jesus' name, thank you for it, Jesus. Amen. 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 Listen, I want you to turn to somebody and say, you are who God says you are. Go ahead. Yeah. Now, turn to somebody else. And say, and he says you're awesome. Amen. All right, you guys get out here, go have lunch, grab some of these name tags, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>